that you underestimate the power and that value to sit there and think that people, there's others out there that also could benefit yeah. or are seeking that connection, that community, that culture, that atmosphere, especially when it's just that, that's what you've known and fortunate to have known that for such a great part of my life. This is To Depth with John, the podcast where coaches go into more depth about what got them into coaching and how they've made it a part of their life. I'm John Stea. I am here with the owner, founder, director, head coach, Elan Cumberbatch of Yard Athletics for the fourth installment of To Depth with John. Elan, welcome. John, how we doing, buddy? Uh, stoked to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. I'm really excited to, to have this talk. I know we were you know, talking before we hit record here, and it's one of those situations where you're just going to have, I think, more content from a variety of different areas, <laughs> hopefully skewing a little bit into the business end of things, as well as the community building side. And, and really it's, it's clear from how we've talked about coaching and business in the past, just how much we care about this industry and furthering what we're doing with people and how we can further it as well. Yeah, totally. Hopefully, hopefully valuable content that the listeners appreciate. You know, I found even when it doesn't seem like it's going to be there, there's a lot of information to be gained just from someone's perspective on how they've gotten into the industry, how they built up their business and how they've really made coaching work in their life. So one of the big things that I started this for was to see why different people in the industry got into coaching because it's, it's something where people are really passionate about it. You, it's kind of a prerequisite to start. You can't do this and not want to. Uh, and I know that you're a few steps ahead of the journey compared to myself or compared to even talking to Jared, you've had yard running for a few years now, and it's built up that a little bit more. So to be able to take your, your passion and see it grow, see your baby start to develop is something that if let's say a, a young coach is listening to this right now, maybe you can see that as how their pathway might work. It's like, oh, I love doing this. I'm a former athlete. I have a, a group of people that really connect with me and I love coaching. I love training. How can I make this something that's, that's working in my life? Cause you seem to be at that, at that stage where you're, you're building up what you're doing. Yeah, certainly. I think, I mean, first off, thank you. Appreciate that. I can tell you right now that on a personal level, um, not, I'm not personally satisfied or content completely with where I'm at on a, uh, professional level or where the business is at. And that might be why the company has grown in the nature that it has. So that's probably one of the first things insofar as, uh, how to get to where uh, I am in the businesses today. And that's a pretty complex uh, question. I suppose there's no direct path. And yeah, what I do know is that it, it first off takes really good people. I've been really fortunate to have great people in my life and on our team from my family to my life partners, to uh, coworkers, we're just surrounded by great people. So you need, you need, you need a good support network. And secondly, I think there's some intangible characteristic traits that they're not the mandatory, but they certainly help. I think first off patience, patience is a virtue and you can probably attest to that, that it's, it's not an overnight thing. A lot of people, you know, at least when we open up our own physical space, they're like, oh, wow, how long you've been open? This just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And uh, I mean, sure the physical space did, but what I do need to remind people of is that the business itself was operating out of another physical space and, and growing and implementing systems, et cetera, et cetera, for years prior to that and rewind even more prior to that. And that's why I, I really liked one of the questions that you had at the end. What was, what's something that you would tell your former yeah. self, your earlier self? Yeah. And there's a lot. Yeah. Let's, let's stop the foiling and see if they, uh, leave the best part to the end there. So make sure people listen to the full episode. But uh, I, I do think though, then maybe if we can start with the beginning in some ways and talk about the, who was that younger self, what got you started? 
in coaching, where did your interest kind of come about? What was your path to get to at least into the training realm? Cause I know you played hockey, you mm -hmm. played hockey, UBC, you played rugby a little bit there, like professional hockey. Ah, that's a loose term. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my path, honestly, it started off. I love training and I love the off season yeah. training more than uh, the actual in season. And it's for various reasons. Uh, my career as an athlete, I would say I never fully reached my quote unquote true potential. And most of that was between my own head, my mental strength and mental fortitude wasn't on par with some of my physical attributes. Genetics definitely played a role in that. I was fortunate to be born into the body that I was born into and sure a lot of, a lot of hard work went in that, but that, that aside. Yeah, uh, for for those just listening here, uh, that haven't checked out, he looks, he's got a really good picture up right now too. He's just he's just finished. Maybe we get a sponsorship from uh, RP Strength Renaissance Period. It is a great app. It is a great app. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe maybe throw some supplements away or something, or some diet plans. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and he's he's recently down about what like fifteen pounds. Yeah, honestly, that was just discipline and cutting out a little bit of a uh, little bit of other things. But yeah, anyways, but yeah, back to it. I love I love the off season and yeah. I love the training component and I and my first experience with, was with twist twist conditioning down on the shore right yeah. across from north shore winter club but i remember walking in there and they had an orientation and at the time you know i got a name drop here but it was the lynch brothers and they're a big marketing feature for them at the time anyways and, and i was like wow this is so cool and i loved going every day yeah. and, and i loved the consistency and the routine but i loved that whole process and then go were they, they a daily program uh, yep that was a that was the beginning it was the eight eight week up yeah i'm fee you get the on ice you get the off ice right anyways it was good and i, I remember uh, yeah i would bus out there with my gear and i get a ride with some guy I can't remember. And we go over to eight rigs and do the skate. And, and then that's when the Canucks were practicing out there. And it was a little rambling on that. I loved it. And then the season would come and I do my thing and I was a decent player and I'd kind of get beat up and like mentally probably more than anything. And then, but, and then, and then go back and I'd be pumped on the off season again. And anyways, that's kind of how my career went till, till the bitter end there. But just by default, I love the gym and like a lot of people. So it seemed like a natural progression, got in, studied kinesiology at the university of Saskatchewan from the first two years and played hockey out there. Okay. Well, again, a play is a loose term and then ended up transferring to UBC, finished out my degree there and then did the pro thing. So when it was all said and done, five years of post-secondary education, got my bachelor's in human kinetics. And then that's by that point I was working with factory hockey player development. So that's what it was called at the time. That company's now defunct. And that was similar to what you do. It was off season hockey player development. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I was, I was working a role there and then I bought into that company. So that kind of brings us to the inception of yard athletics, where after my first off season, I was no longer playing, the players went away to their, you know, respective teams. And I was really left with zero clients and I had, and yeah. I was. Uh, equity partner in, in, in a, in a company. So when you started training, sorry to, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but so when you started training, were you just with factory doing the off season thing, your first time, like it was after you just graduated or you were still in school and you started, you just did an off season program. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, what do I do now? What's, what's September heads? Yeah. So I'd done a little bit of training prior to that. I mean, yeah. so I, I'd done gen pop, uh, with the gym, it's, it gets quite complex. But it, it would be as if, uh, you know, I worked for, you know, uh, level 10. Yeah. Uh, doing gen pop. And then in the off season, I worked for John Stea doing the athletes. Mm. Right. So that, that's a con subcontract out to subcontract out. But yeah, I'd done that for a few off seasons prior to. Right. So yeah, probably had three, four years under my belt doing personal training. I think I started formally. Uh, let's, let's put it at 20. And then I started doing the personal training gen pop after that the first season of, uh, or that only season of playing overseas. Yeah. So one of the big things that you, you talk about there is how much you enjoyed the weight room and then that group training atmosphere. And that's definitely gotta be something that's carried over into how you've tried to push what, or build what you have. It's that it's, and I, and I think it's something a lot of former athletes really search for either as a participant or as somebody that really loved the gym. 
is getting that same feeling of uh, the team lit, so to speak. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we were just having that discussion before. That's a big void in a lot of individuals' lives. That was a huge part of their identity through the majority of their life through team sport, right? And all of a sudden team sport's gone and that identity is lost as well. So, you know, there's a void to fill there. And I remember that was at at one point kind of how we marketed yard athletics in our our group training. Uh, We now refer to it as semi-private training because I think a lot of people connotate group training with a 20 to 30 person (laughs) choreographed dance class, which is not what we do. It's four to eight people in in a relatively intimate setting and with a good uh, client coach ratio. So yeah, actually the first, my first gen pop, I, I don't like that term, but Anyways, I think you get a just well, first non-athlete, yeah, yeah. you know, formal, formal identifying as an athlete, ex-athlete, whatever. My first, it's, it's kind first. of true that you refer to them all as, uh, <laughs> more referred to as NARPs in the first. I was going to say, don't say it, John, NARPs. Yeah. <laughs> Non-athletic, regular person. If you're, uh, if you don't know what that is. Anyways, was uh, a group of buddies and they would train 8 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, there's eight of them. I think they pay like 20 bucks a head and it was the most fun. And it was just like yeah. hanging with the boys and they referred to themselves as the boneyard. And, and so, so from the boneyard came the yard, came yard athletics. And that was, okay. that was really, that was really the, the And the boneyard, yeah, yeah. That comes from the one day we would use all the dumbbells and, uh, you know, they're sitting on the gym floor and someone made a comment that it looked like a boneyard out there. So yeah. And that's how the, the yard came to be, I suppose. Okay. They came from boneyard. All right. I, I think that's a really good transition though, that you speak of. That's it's really common for a lot of coaches, at least to come from really loving training in particular. So the, the typical story of anyone that gets involved in strength and conditioning is they were usually some kind of university athlete and they fell in love with the gym. It was where they saw more progress than when they were playing sports. There is. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know I talked about in the first episode too, there there is a certain difference in the space of the gym. The gym is just, it's a place to enjoy yourself a lot more and you can have a lot more fun. But so what you'll see is a few different paths from there. Some people will go into the institutional side because that seems like maybe that's all there is. And personal training will seem like. It's a completely different environment, mm-hmm. but I think yourself to be able to go into try and replicate that directly, have that a semi-private model is the, the core of the business and the core of what you want to bring to people to try and recreate that group or team training environment where you're working hard, you're sweating, you're using all the dumbbells. Yeah. It's just you and the boys yeah. or, or you and the girls yeah. and you're, you're just having fun. Really? That's, yeah. that's what it is. It's a path, one that not a lot of people think of right away. Cause you are an athlete, like you said, there, there is this moment when you're done playing sports where you stop and you have no idea what to do. So serious identity crisis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And some people are in, in a place where they also have had success in a gym and being physically active there. And that gives them some of the same benefits that playing the sport did. You're active, you're working hard. And then by being in that group setting, you, you get the same camaraderie that you did when you were playing sports. Yeah. So it's, it's one option I think where people don't really think of it right away. Cause you aren't necessarily always aware of it because you had this background in hockey where group training is the, is yeah. the model and that is, is the thing. Well, so the other thing too, John, is that like many things are you underestimate the power and that value, you know, to sit there and think that people, there's others out there that also could benefit or are seeking that connection, that community, that culture, that atmosphere, especially when it's just that, that's what you've known and fortunate 
to have known that for so, so such a great part of my life, right? So, so, so long in my life. And then it, it, you have this, this realization that, oh, wow, I'm not the only person that really likes this. And there's actually a lot of people that have never experienced this. And so you're in a powerful position where you're able to provide that first experience to a lot of people and allow them to fall in love with it too. So not only, I think, are you feeling a void for others that have at one point had that or longing to replace it, say an ex-athlete, ex-team athlete or ex-varsity athlete or whomever that is used to that group camaraderie, but there's also others that have never been in that environment that then get to go experience. And I think that's what you see with a lot of, in fitness at least, look at CrossFit, for example, right? Yeah. It, that, that's a big component of it is, is the, they identify as a CrossFitter, they, they love the community and, and it's something, it's, you, you get a sense of belonging. Right. So no, are, are we to the extent of CrossFit? Not by any means. Are, there's, there's other, be it spin, maybe other yeah, things like that. Yeah. Where you get those cool communities, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I think that's what, what Yard's trying to do as well is, is we have a great community and uh, something actually, anyways, that I'd like to dive into deeper and, and need to explore a little bit more, but there's commonalities amongst everyone that comes in there. What exactly they are. I probably have my own opinions and theories, but they're probably actually inaccurate. And there's probably in commonalities amongst all the people and they're all coming there to achieve one thing. I mean, I think I know what it is, but I probably don't. So yeah, that's what I, I, as a business owner and we as a company need to get a lot more clear on is what is bringing people in? Why do they want to be here? Because right. it's probably, it's probably not actually you know, exclusively to squat, deadlift, bench press and row. Right. But that's what they come and do, but that's probably not the old, that definitely is not the only reason why they come. Yeah. That, that speaks to what we spoke about before. When people come to see you, you almost have to give them something to long, long shine a carrot or hold something shiny in front of them to get them in the door. And then they realize they actually enjoy it. You get these, let's say guys that I've worked with where they, they love lifting weights and what gets you in the door is, oh, we're going to. We're going to crush, but then what really keeps you there is all the guys that you are crushing with. Totally. It yeah. is the, yeah, it's the camaraderie. And like we yeah. talked about this, that kind of shared suffering that you yeah. feel with people when you're, you're training and working towards something together. Totally. And that's, I don't know, there, there's a little parallel there too, where you talk about your shift into a business owner. I don't want to dive into that a little bit more before we go full on talking about how we can build, how, how we can solve all the problems of fitness, fitness <laughs> industries. But yeah, so where was your transition there so because you went from being an athlete being trained it was obviously something that resonated with you a lot so you stepped into the the training space mm -hmm. and then what, what was what was kind of that that difference though from being coached to coaching yeah interesting and i think that's something you learn a lot by experience. You learn a lot through experience and you learn a lot of what to do and what not to do. So I think that's the first thing. Ha having grown up uh, playing sports, various sports, you experience a lot of different coaches and a lot of different coaching methods and theories. And, and it's all managing people and managing people's expectations and people's emotions and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's one thing is that by experience, a lot of the generally, actually, I would say the best coaches aren't the best athletes necessarily, yeah. right? A lots of times they might be the ones that maybe aren't the best and maybe for lack of a better term, may, maybe the worst, no, but they yeah. receive so much coaching because of that, they come up with their own coaching philosophy. So I think that I was in my favor having played sports and experienced so many coaches and then the transition to being a coach. I mean, yeah, it's certainly a paradigm shift. I enjoyed it. It's not like I stepped right in and coached super elite athletes. I started off with youth, which is honestly, it is, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense because youth athletes are the hardest to coach. They're the most malleable, most influential. You have the most, the best ability to dictate, but direct the path of their physical progression. So to throw in a green coach and a bunch of green athletes makes literally no sense. 
Yeah, but that, that generally that seems to be the way that it goes lots of times. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I think my own uh, coaching philosophy and training philosophies as well, certainly, and coaching style has shifted over the years. Yeah. Uh, so you were saying you started, you worked with, that was kind of the first coaching you did working with younger kids. Yeah. yeah actually, sports teams on any sport, well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did the on ice too. Yeah. 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 The honest was fun. I really love the honest. And, and you know what? I think a lot of, I mean, again, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Why do people work with me? Really? I don't know, but I would, I would assume that there is a certain level of relatability and big thing is managing intensities and, and knowing it, it. And again, it, it's case by case. It's case sensitive and, and it depends on the cohort, the group that you're working with, but let's just use athletes. For example, they got to know when to command the room and when to command the space and without sounding like a dictator, but exert a certain level of authority over them. Yep. Right. Where it's like, Hey, listen, I need your attention, all your attention. Right. And you can, you can gently call out certain individuals that might be pulling the group in the wrong direction or utilize them to say, anyway, so and this is good. This is good. Then, we can do a segue into, into yeah. I don't want to jump into the, yeah. I don't want to dive too deep into the essence of how to manage a group, but I always yeah. think there, there's benefit there. I'll save some of that for, for okay. the PD cool. too. Yeah. But then uh, conversely, there's times to tone it down and show them that you're a real human too. And you can mm -hmm. relate to their uh, struggles because life is a lot more than what's going on in the weight room. And that's one, one to two hours of your day in a 24 hour day. And there's a lot of other variables. And, and again, case by case, you know, if you're dealing with male athletes, 16 to 18 is a lot different than female athletes, 12 to 14. And I might not be the best student to coach all those demographics, right? But each demographic and each cohort and each group is different. So being able to read emotions and read individual emotions, but some different people respond differently to different feedback. There's, there's a lot of coaches out there that I'd never want to be coached by. And I'd probably tell them that, you know, pound sand, but there's other athletes that respond really well to that style of coaching. It takes time and it takes, it takes reps, like anything, it takes experience yeah. and you got to get your reps in and you got to learn from your mistakes. And I've, I've certainly made more mistakes than not. So being aware of them and identifying them and being able to recognize them and just, and have the humility to know that, you know what, I, I mismanaged or I mishandled that athlete or that, that scenario or, and, and honestly, there's nothing like the best thing I think you can do is, is have accountability and own up to it and go up and recognize it and be like, Hey, listen, sorry. What I said yesterday. Today, I was a little out of line or like, Hey guys, listen, I apologize for wh whatever we, we should have done this or like, I should have yeah, done that. Yeah. yeah. And just, just own it. And then it's like, listen, this guy's human too. He makes mistakes yeah. instead of pretending I'm the be all end all greatest thing that's ever happened to you. And you should all be so fortunate to be working with me. Yeah. Like, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Good luck progressing in your career. No. Yeah. That's, uh, well, I think you speak to two things there that kind of tie into each other. So the first is uh, you talked a lot about being able to manage a room and there's a really fine balance, uh, especially when working with youth and youth athletes in particular, between being able to be their friend, but also being an authority figure because you want people like you. I mean, that, that's the nature. It's a private business. Mm -hmm. It is not university setting where people it's your way or the highway, yeah. even though you could probably do with a, a mixed methods yeah. technique there. But so it's, it's the balance of. Being someone that can be likable, but also an authority figure. And one of the things that you then spoke to after was that sense of self and really this overall and, and where that self-awareness really comes from and like wanting to improve what you're doing, or even just communicating with the people, it's a sense of, of caring for the people that you're working with. And it's a silly thing that we, we feel like it's silly because it seems like it should be so simple and easy to understand. But if I may venture, I would assume that at the root of most of the interactions you have with clients or most of the people that have worked over with you over the years is that you care about them and there, there is something that shines through and that's, that's where, whether it's self-awareness, 
whether it's being able to hold their attention, keep their authority, it's because you care about them and you display that to whoever you're working with. So they care about what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think, uh, that's where, uh, respect is earned, not given. I can't remember where I heard that one. It's probably super, I mean, I know what it's called. Yeah. I remember for some reason that that resonates with me is you can't come in and rule with an iron fist off the get-go because especially the more accomplished the individual, and that's that fine line. And, and you probably experienced it that more than anything. You, you work with so many elite athletes, elite to the true sense of the word. Right. They, they were kids when I started. Exactly. So no, it's, exactly. It's, it's though. Exactly. It's, yeah. Exactly. Because you've earned their respect over that tenure. Right. And, and that's another thing I, I need to commend you, John, you keep in contact and keep in touch with all of your athletes more than anyone I know. And that that's commendable and something I need to do a lot better of a job at, because again, it's like, well, why, what this relationship just goes on pause because he sits yeah. on a bookshelf until they yeah, back in. They're playing. Right. I have a, a very brief story. So last weekend, I, I went and watched a junior A game. When I'm watching yeah, Express. Yeah, Express. Yeah, yeah. So I coached a few guys, a couple guys in the Express, one guy in the Port Alberni Bulldogs. And uh, I was talking to one of the players after the game and his mom happened to be at the game. We've corresponded for years, but never met in person. So I introduced myself, started talking to her. I was like, oh, it's so great to see that your son is getting a lot more opportunity here this year. And he's getting a lot more playing time. He's getting a lot more chances. Her knee jerk response was, how do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I text yeah. him. Yeah. I ask him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I even, I even occasionally use Google where yeah. I just look up, <laughs> I check elite prospects yeah. and, and get the stats there. Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. God. But yes, no, no, no. I, I think it's, it's like you're saying, you just have to. Showing that you care and being able to communicate with people is it's, it's such a basic, simple thing. And it, it unfortunately does take some time sometimes and some effort, mm -hmm. but it's, it's like you talked about earlier, patience, hard work, all these things. Mm -hmm. If you're just willing to do some small day in and day out things, mm -hmm. they, they pay dividends in the long term for totally. your relationships with other people. Totally. Yeah. I think that's something that I, I need to get better at, but, uh, certainly I know each, each athlete and each player that you do work with the other is a genuine interest and care for their well being, And that, that stretches a lot farther than just what's going on in the weight room. You become very vested in their lives and that's you know, from a personal training standpoint, that is the personal aspect of it. You kind of double as a therapist for a lot of these people, whether you like it or not. And you just need to assume that role, and accept that role and being able, and that's another thing from, uh, I think uh, what makes me is need to be a bit almost not split personality or uh, a bit of a chameleon insofar as you need to have an ability to relate to these individuals on some level and the more levels you can relate to people then i i think the more success you're gonna have as a coach so yeah no that's 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 very true as a coach that works with a wide variety of people you have to be this chameleon that can shift into whatever different mode it is for your clients, depending on how wide your client base is, you have to be different people. But I've, I've also started to find that it's not even that the chameleon is shifts as you become a more, a better representation. The more and more honest you are with who you are, usually you just end up connecting with people genuinely. As long as if your detail is, is a decent enough human being <laughs> that has some interest in what your clients are yeah. doing with their life. Cause that's, that's really it. I mean, even if you don't know anything about what your clients do or what their interests are, all you really have to do. I talked about this a little bit with Jared, but it's, it's just, just to ask mm -hmm, if, totally. whether it's their kids, whether it's their hobbies, 
if you just follow up with a question, totally. usually they are so touched that you took the time to remember that. And again, it's just showing you care. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think the vulnerability on a personal level, again, it, it humanizes yourself because uh, whether we like it or not, I think a lot of these people and view us in, in a certain light and showing them again that, Hey, listen, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life. And also re as you said, asking questions and, and I'm not saying that you do that the individuals or that I do this to make them feel better, but it's because I have a genuine interest. Oh, Hey, tell you something, maybe they do their work hey so how, how do you go about that how, how do you how do you come to accomplish x yeah. right what does that process look like and then and then show genuine interest because there's very few people that are genuine i feel yeah. anymore actually really so yeah just being a, a true uh, representation of yourself and and displaying that for for your clients now yeah, and I want to I want to touch on that a little bit too. So, how you're working with right now? Would you say what's your your split right now? Are you mostly one on one to personal training? And yeah, or with your hours? Yeah, yeah. Personally, yeah, I'm doing almost exclusively one on ones and a handful of two on ones, and then I'll do I'll cover here and there for others, obviously, and do some semi privates. Yeah, groups. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. How do you feel? And, and if we need to, if there's anything, everything uh, sensitive, we, we can add it in the back end, but yeah. how do you feel that shift has been shifting more from working or running with the groups? Because you must get a lot of that bucket filled because you are there. It is your gym. Every mm -hmm. group is shared with you. You have your team as well. Mm -hmm. So there is that team mm -hmm. too. You have the yard team mm -hmm. of your employees, coworkers, et cetera. But how has that been shifting from more of a group training environment, which you started with? And what drove you towards this now to doing more a tight knit, building more personal relationships mm -hmm. with people. I'm assuming you see them on like quite a recurring basis. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's certainly an aspect of the uh, semi-private and the group training that I, I really miss. I really, yeah. it's, it's fun. You can be a little bit, I, I mean, I think you can always be a little bit more creative in your programming. Yeah. You get to interact with more people at one time. So for insofar as human interaction, it's a better bang for your buck. And I think I'd kind of touch on it. Maybe that's something. And I mean, I'll, I'll just say that I feel I exude a lot of my energy and my time to others. And so probably something that I'm not seeking as much anymore. Managing your team, managing the clients, uh, managing your own, everything is like, by the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty tapped yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then I have a wife at home. And sometimes, unfortunately, she gets the brunt of it or, and that's not fair to her. So just man, and, and again, we can go so many different directions with this, but managing your own energy and your own emotional bucket, I suppose. So yeah, basically to answer your question, I don't feel it's a void that I need to fill. Yeah. I get to experience it by interacting with those individuals, the way the gym, the space is laid out for those that haven't been, I mean, it's, it's one big open space. Yeah. So lots of times there'll be a, a semi-private group going on at the same time in conjunction with the privates going on of the other end. So I'm down in my little corner there or whatever, I'm working on a rack and I'm surrounded by the group anyway. So you get that energy, you get that culture. I'm not interacting directly with them, but I don't know that I necessarily need to. Right. I, I've, right. I probably, if anything, I'm not sure they, uh, an extroverted introvert now where when we interact, maybe one-on-one, hey, 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 extroverted, but deep down, I do need my own time and I kind of like to recluse and when it's time to recover and, and rest. Yeah. No, I, I think through that, that speaks to uh, you have those sessions and clients uh, that are going to take a lot more from you. And that's, that's kind of the nature of coaching, right? You do give a lot mm -hmm. to people and groups can be very, very exhausting. I know there were times when I would, whether it was leaving, working at the varsity gym, I would be drained and exhausted, but in, in a good way. Oh yeah. Uh, although I don't know if that would be sustainable for years on end. No. And even now I know when I see the guys in the summer, 
nothing through the summer certainly gives me more energy mm-hmm. than running groups mm-hmm. all the time. It, that, that means roughly upwards of 20 hours of, of just hockey groups mm-hmm. every week. But that's the passion in it, right? And that's, yes. that's also what makes you a great coach. You could do that. You can do it. I, I'm going to measure my words here, but a half-assed job of, of running those groups and you could be sitting back and, you know. Oh yeah, good job, Kenny. And just like no energy. Or you could be genuinely interested and come bring, set the tone. Cause that's what you're doing. Yeah. That's why people are coming. And that's why, I mean, I don't know if you were any trackers, but I remember the okay. same thing, right? When you're doing maybe a couple groups in the morning, one in the middle of the day or whatever, a couple of the evening, right? You're stepping, you know, I don't know, 20,000 plus steps. Yeah. You're burning calories. All of a sudden you come home, you're ravenous. You're, you're vibrating cause your central nervous system shot. Who needs a workout? You know what I mean? There's your workout. Kudos to the people that do the spin classes and the big groups, right? But there's a reason why those people only maybe do one a day. Yeah. Because, because it's more demanding than the participants because you are, you are the heart, you are the lifeline, you are, uh, you are the heartbeat of the space and and the group energy. So they, they can be exhausting and definitely something that uh, you need to manage as, as a coach. But then on my side, you need to manage your team as well. Sometimes you don't even realize it, right? But someone will come and that's something we try to do is touch base with team each teammate on a monthly basis and just, Hey, how you doing? How's your schedule? And you don't even realize it. Oh yeah. You know, I'm doing 10 groups a week and geez, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah we gotta, we gotta make an adjustment there. We gotta change that. Anyways. Well, no, cause it, it can be draining. It can give you energy though, even though it, it definitely does. And I, I love my summers. I, yeah. I live for them for a million different reasons, but because it's, I get to do everything that I am building and working towards. And I know there's going to be people are going to receive that as best as possible. And so it gives me a lot of energy, but I know, I know that the energy that I get from the, the groups that I work with are, I, it, at the same time as it energizes me, it takes so much for me. Me during the summer months is I, I am exhausted to every other person that I probably interact with, yeah. even on the weekends. And I know from, if it were to go on much longer with evidence from, with evidence from 2020, when we had an eight month off season, even, even the boys start to, they, everyone gets a little tired once November rolls around and yeah. it's still the off season. Yeah. 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 No doubt. It's, it, it's quite intensive. Certainly. Yeah. But so I want to kind of go all the other direction with that same thing. So you mentioned, you touched on it briefly, but it's the energy that you give at the gym. How do you feel like you are, you are trying to balance that in the, in the rest of your life? So obviously coaching, talking about. It is, it is a lot. It is kind of this, this passion that we, we get to give and share and connect with so many people. And now you doing that as, as a business owner, how do you feel you're managing the rest of your life? And I know you are, you're recently married too. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Lucky man. Yeah. Fat from <laughs> outside my league. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? To be frank, I need to be better. That's an area of myself that I need to improve on is managing, managing people. And that is the most yeah. difficult thing. When I say managing people, and I mean, that, that extends to my personal and social life as well. But insofar as at the works workplace and, and our, you know, teammates and the coaches that we work alongside, that is an area that is, is certainly there's room for improvement there. I'm constantly, constantly making errors and constantly learning from them. And I try, I mean, a few things, I try to be as inclusive as possible because at the end of the day, it is a team and none of it is possible without the people in place there currently. So I'm very aware of that. So. We, we try to provide opportunity to grow within the company in various uh, sectors, extending 
outside of just training. Not that there's anything wrong with just training, but as far as the sustainability and the growth standpoint from a career, allowing opportunity for people to grow into other roles uh, and other sectors, other business. So there's that. And again, it's like coaching. Each individual yeah. is different and each individual has different needs and different wants and different desires and uh, different goals and uh, different expectations. So there's no one size fits all from that standpoint. And again, very fortunate to have great people in place to assist with that. Sam Shaw has been my right-hand man and, and, and we work uh, very, very closely alongside one another. So if anything, it's kind of like, is that assistant coach, head coach uh, relationship to an extent or Sam, he probably takes a lot of feedback from, or I know he takes a lot of feedback from our coworkers and teammates mm. and he's able to filter it and say, okay, here's what, here's the feedback you got. Like you got to yeah. cool it yeah, and you got to tone it down here or he can address them and say, okay, well maybe the, the reason for that is ABC. Right. So yeah. anyways, it serves as an excellent mediator when without him in there, we wouldn't be able to have done any of this. So. There's that. And then I think managing my own energy, owning it, owning the business, you're always on. It's, yeah. it's always on. And that's another thing is that my, I cannot expect that out of everybody else and nor do I, but you need to constantly remind yourself of that. Nobody will ever care as much as me, nor should they be expected to. So yeah, you know what? My expectations are very high. I think I'm quite demanding. I don't think that they're extraordinary or out of line or un unattainable, but we do try to maintain a very high level of uh, service and quality, um, and a very high level product. Yeah. So maintaining that quality is an eternal battle. And, but as people come and grow within the company, you know, that that's where you start to see not the scalability, but you see the growth where it's okay. You know what? This doesn't need to just come from me now. Now, you know, the, the, the next person that's been here the longest, they get it. And then they can start to groom and chaperone that, that next employee that comes in. So they see, and they, they pick up that slack and you see them grow into that leadership role. And I think that's really cool. And, and that, that is, uh, I, I really, I really like to see that personal growth. I mean, it takes time and, and it doesn't, it doesn't pan out for everybody not everyone's cut for it. And, and I think that applies to any sector and any business and any corporate structure, not I any, mean, not the word corporate structure, nor have I ever actually worked in a corporate structure, but in general leaders learning to lead and leading by example. And yeah, so I kind of rambled on there, sir. No, not at all. No, we're all that's, uh, there's no time limit. This is long form podcasting is, is all I do. But so I think, I think what you touched on there that I, I want to expand on more is there were a lot of parallels and you made one yourself talking about having Sam as your assistant coach, so to speak, but it, it's so clear in everything you just said, how much there is a parallel between the, the team sports space and the business space. Mm. And so why I think it's so easy to take coaching into management and why there is so much crossover between the two people are reading coaching books and business and people are reading business books and coaching because there, there is the reality of needing to build a business, but there is such a using management principles to deal with athletes mm -hmm. and then using those same principles to deal with now your employees there, there's so much crossover between the two. Certainly. Yeah. And you know what? It's, uh, it's interesting too. You'll, you'll, as far as onboarding and, and managing a certain coworkers and teammates, they, they don't all have, there, there's not, there's not consistent struggles with all, with all individuals, right? So there's somewhere, some of these expectations and intangibles, for lack of a better term, they, they come second nature, but maybe they, maybe they struggle in other areas. 
Whereas there's others that come with in a complete package, a quote unquote, but maybe they lack those intangibles that, that you would get out of that, that team athlete, that they're that team sport yeah. individual, right? So again, there's no, there's no single pathway. There's no template. And that's where you look at some, even like, for example, you start looking into the growth and the scalability of a business and the franchise model, right? And there is no one size fits all. And that, that's what makes it unique. That's what make, makes working with John Stay unique is yeah. that you, you can't just go replicate you. There. You have intangibles and you, you bring qualities that nobody else does. And that's why people are coming to work with you. There. And conversely, you know what, we can't just take yard athletics as it is right now and just go, okay, well, here, here's the booklet. You go do it. It's super simple. Everything you need is right there, right? Because it's the people, yeah. right? And each individual and each, each client that comes in there comes to work with a different individual and they come for the experience and they come for the culture and they come for the atmosphere and they come for the community um, of those other like-minded individuals that come into that space for the reason they come into the space. So yeah, it's a lot more than just training and it's not necessarily, uh, replicatable. Is that a word? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Replicable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Replicatory. So yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, I, I think too, you bring up how what we do is so intangible in a lot of ways and why it's, it's so hard to reproduce because it's, it's very reliant on the human element. So it's hard to create some kind of system around that. And I've even been struggling with how do I build out a little bit more because I'm not entirely sure what the recipe is. I don't know whether it's the base characteristics and abilities or skills, because you, you can look for skills, you can look for abilities, but we really want the characteristics, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to teach those. I don't know how to make somebody, somebody that has more attention to detail. I don't know how to make somebody, someone that has a uh, second order thinking where you're considering consequences, you're able to critically think, like maybe those are just things they have mm -hmm. already. I think, um, you never will. So, I mean, I should probably listen to myself here, but you never will. So stop trying to put it super bluntly. Instead, look for qualities and in individuals that bring, you know, assets that you lack. And I think that's where I, again, I talked to the team about the team, right? Is that each individual on the team? Sure. You know, they're good coaches, but that is, that is what, I mean, we can't quantify it, but that is, that is a certain portion of uh, what is being delivered when you come in for a training experience, right? What are the other intangibles, right? When each individual brings different things to the table that hopefully can create a complete circle, a whole yeah. part, but a whole. So yeah, what I, I bring what I bring personally, right? Sam brings what Sam brings, right? Each other coach, each other team member brings something else to the table that the rest of us maybe do, but not to the same level. And there, and there's value in that. So each individual is unique and, and learning to operate as a whole is what is where the power lies yeah. I think from the business and the growth standpoint. So yeah, try, try to figure out, okay, well, maybe I'm really great at this, but I'm not so great at this, what this and that is. I, I don't know. You, you can kind of figure that out for yourself. So, yeah, I heard something the other day that kind of resonated with me. So it was. Your greatest strength will become your greatest weakness in trying to scale. So now the thing that you are the best at, which whether it's how you interact with people, whether it's the presence that you have, your humor, your intangible, so to speak, mm -hmm. those things that make you, you and make people want to work with you. Mm -hmm. Those are going to be what limits you from growing much further because they are hard to one, let go of, mm -hmm. uh, I know for a fact it is. It has been difficult for me, even on my scale to whether it's give other sessions to other trainers, but there are not enough hours in the day. Mm -hmm. I know I had an internal debate with myself a couple of years ago 
about trying to have other coaches come in to work the groups that I was working with mm -hmm. because I was like, but it's, it's not the same, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was trying to, I had this, this monologue of, oh, well, I'll just, just work these hours and this hours. And then you realize that the, the version of yourself that you are then putting out there at that hour, six, hour seven. Yeah. It's is, not, is that. not, yeah, yeah. it's not a resonance. Yeah. yeah. I think, but, and again, I, still have this issue and it'll never, it'll never subside. But again, if you provide a path, uh, and direction to solve the client or the athletes problems, if you provide a solution, maybe it's not with you, but you mm -hmm. still have their best interest in mind, right? Okay. You want to be a better hockey player say, right? Okay. Well, we need to get you more fit, strong, powerful, like mobile, et cetera, et cetera, right? I do not have the capacity and it's actually not in your best interest to come work with me on hour seven, right? Yeah. So instead we're going to provide that same thing, but it's going to be delivered via someone else. Right. But actually this is in your best interest. This is better than what you're going to get with me. I mean, again, it, it, there's no easy, they learn, I, I, I people get over it. Not, no, not no. get over it. Oh, if anything, they should yeah. appreciate it and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, this is actually better. Hopefully. And hopefully they have a better experience. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's where my thought is at. I mean, it's, it's where you are with developing your team and their unique skill sets. Mm -hmm. It's you go from taking your skill set of being able to work with clients and athletes, et cetera into working with the people that work with them. And it's, it's the standard kind of pillar of growth or mm. hierarchy of how you move up in any kind of organization. In this case, your own, mm. where you have a product or a service that you deliver, mm. and then you go into teaching people how to deliver that product or service, or at least a variation of that. Mm. And you give them some fundamentals that they can apply or some principles mm. that, so it still is your brand, but, and then that becomes what you do. You, you create what you have. The, the only, the, the real struggle with coaches is because that first thing that we do, we really, really like doing it. And hence it's so hard to let go of. I mean, so far as coaching. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard to step away from the thing that oh, yeah. you love. Well, it's, it's so it, it's yeah. What do they say? Turn your passion into your, your full-time job or whatever. And yeah, I did that, but I certainly, I'll be blunt. I mean, I don't, I don't love going to the gym every day because it's, it's my place. It used to be the, the sanctuary, right? It was the sanctuary. It was my, that was my place to get away. Yeah. And then I think same thing, right? Let's we'll rewind back to the beginning of the podcast and beginning of my life. Let's say when we were talking about hockey, yeah. right? Where it's like, didn't play last night because I got help to scratch, but I can go to the gym and it's therapeutic. Yeah. It's therapeutic. And then and for me, that's what the gym is now, but sometimes you're at work and we all have our own struggles with at the workplace and there's a lot more to running a gym. You're running a business. And so you're managing clients, et cetera, you're doing everything that comes with it. And there's responsibility that comes with it. And some days you don't have great days. Right. And so then yeah. I want to go have, you know, my therapy session, quote unquote, and go, you know, work out. But last place I want to do it is at the gym where I yeah. currently have, you know, there's just a bad juju going on. Right. So it's a little bass backwards. And again, that's something else I need to improve on is finding that balance and then creating that separation. And so, yeah, you begin to, on a personal level, I think you develop different passions, whatever that was maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I think that speaks to something a lot of people in coaching move into. They realize that there is only a finite amount of energy and, and whatever it is. I know my personal awakenings were whether it was due to COVID doing a bit of a reset on what your priorities were or what, how you can allocate your time or whether or not you were 
able to keep doing what you do, or I've had knee injuries, abdominal surgeries, things like that, where these issues get to a point where I might not be able to do this as work. I might be able to muster the energy to do something I enjoy, which is exercise, but yeah, I'm not sure how the role that I currently have would be sustainable. So you, you start to think of ways of how to remove yourself a little bit from it to give yourself more space so that you can still love it and you can still enjoy being there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How have you found, before we dive into anything rapid fire, how have you found that? Because I know we've talked a lot recently about building your business knowledge and building your, whether that's aspects of sales, marketing, and anything related to business education. How have you found that in relation to a parallel that I draw is coaching itself is there's obviously some parallels from coaching and management and then, but the, the drive and determination to do these things that are hard and to learn more about whether it's working out or learn more about training and how to do these minute details on how to build things up and how to connect with people. You get this even greater connection in the business side of things. So how have you, what, what kind of parallels have you seen? in your continued ed education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I actually read, I, and I wish I knew who it was or who said it, but I saw something, it was on Instagram, the black hole of Instagram the other day, but basically talks about the, the lifespan of a trainer, the career path of a personal trainer, someone in fitness. And yeah. At the beginning, right, you're doing all this continuing education, right? And you're developing your toolbox, right? You're growing your toolbox or whatever you want, whatever analysis you want to utilize. And, and it's all about training. And, and then the way, in my opinion, at least the way it should go is yes, you continue to do that. Right. But it's almost like working out. There's a, there's a point of diminishing return on it. So the, am I, am I saying that I no longer read or listen or attend educational content in regards to training or human anatomy or exercise phys or biomechanics training, but has my shift or has, has my focus shifted rather to business growth and development and marketing, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, certainly. I'd say probably more put figures on it. I'd go towards that and 25% towards the other. Roughly, I don't know. I, I don't know how to quantify it, right? But there's certainly a lot of focus on that. And and a lot of it comes, again, the was the last book I loved. I bought it for our entire team was Legacy. I was about the New Zealand All yep. Blacks. And that's just all about leadership, accountability, team, and, and, and the greater good of the whole and, and what makes them so unique, not as athletes, but as, as a culture that is ingrained generationally through everyone that puts on that jersey or is involved with it. So anyways, there's that. Gosh. I wish I could remember. Oh, sorry. I just read a super, super simple one, but I really loved it. And I bought it for both my, or two of my siblings. It was called a fighting chance for someone that's not, uh, I don't have a bit, uh, background in business and I'll, I'll call myself financially illiterate and trying to improve my uh, literacy. And so basically it's just like that. It's, and he, he says it's the, the high school diploma or whatever that you, you never got. Yeah. And it just talks about managing money and finance and like, what is a profit loss statement? What is a balance sheet? What are mutual funds, water bonds, what about real estate? Like talking about tax brackets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All things that were kind of scary for a lot of people. They're, they're scary because they're intimidating and they're yep. intimidating because they don't know. And, and they don't know because they never been taught and someone's never sat down and talking about it. So, so yeah, you kind of get the picture. Listening to this, we were just talking about it earlier, the hundred, uh, hundred million dollar offer by Alex Hormozzi. No, I remember I, I unfollowed him because he was just spamming me on uh, social, <laughs> right? He's popping up everywhere. I hear him and then I got that Ryan Fish or Fish or whatever. But it's, yeah, it is. We, we don't need to dive into the, no. the social media rabbit hole that will consume our lives. It's uh, a full-time job and they have full-time staff just yes, because of that. Though, you know, that's the only way. Yeah. The only way. But then the other 
the other side there. So I think the post that you're referencing was, it was from John Goodman. Yes. He had, yeah. So we had, we'll just do a shout out coach John Goodman, maybe to get, get him on the pod. I met him, met him in Mexico. John, you got to get on here. John and John. Exactly. But so he had a post and it was basically a three-year breakdown of year one, you're reading 75% continuing fitness education. Yeah, this was it. Personal yeah. training. Yeah. Year two, it was 50-50. Year three, it was, it was 25 fitness and then 75 personal development. Yeah. I was like, okay, my, my ratio was broken down over about 10 years yeah. and it was about 100 zero for the first <laughs> five, maybe totally. 10% in the last four and then about 75, 25 to personal development in the last I noticed, no, I mean, again, kudos to you, man. You've been a uh, valiant uh, effort, noticeable uh, social media presence. This this podcast is a direct example, right? And uh, it shows. And I mean, you're talking, people are engaging. It's like, well, yeah, man, because people love to see other people taking a shot and growing and, and developing. It's cool. It's awesome. I'll support that. I'll get behind that any day. Yeah. So yeah, keep doing what you're doing and, and keep growing it. And, and I mean, I don't know, you, you, you can answer this question better than I, but it's probably fun. You probably found a newfound passion and ignited a little fire in you. And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool, man. We've got this podcast and let's grow it. Let's see where we can go with it. And you know what? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, you know, Rogan's out and stay as in. Like, why not? Well, we'll yeah. get there. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I do about as much prep as Joe Rogan. So that's, that, that, yeah. that's up. We line up and yeah. just hit play. But yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that a lot. I think it's one of the things I enjoy the most about coaching and training or like in some pieces is the human connection aspect mm -hmm. and getting to do that at this stage of my life with other people and get to learn about their experience has been really cool so far. Admittedly, the editing process is still not super fun, but it, it, it is improving. I will, I will say that it has gotten better since the first one. We need someone, someone in tech, or I don't even know, Di digital, <laughs> digital something. We need an intern here because this podcast would blow up. So we need an editor for John. Yeah, no, it's, that's the, well, we'll see where that takes me. I'll, I'll, I'll keep using it to keep communicating with people and then just see where things go. I think it's great, man. No, I, I really appreciate that. Really appreciate that. I, for the, for time's sake, I think yeah. we should shift yeah, on to the, the rapid fire segment of the interview here. Losing followers. Uh, I'm not, I, I haven't done any market research when people start dropping off, but I, I think something, something tells me more than 90 minutes. So I'll never, yeah, yeah, you, might, you might want to hold off on launching this one. All right. So our rapid fire segment for the day. Uh, so what are you currently consuming? And these could be TV shows, books, podcasts, parenting videos. You mentioned a couple already of the Alex Hormozzi's book. Yeah, I got Hormozzi, read that, uh, Fighting Chance by, uh, Doug Allen. What else? There's one. But right now I like listening to, uh, CNN or no, sorry, not CNN, BBC rather. Sorry, not okay. BBC correction. Apologies. It has a, it's like a 25 minute podcast. I like listening to that. A short little update on world politics. The legacy book was great. Highly recommend that. Yeah. I'd, yeah. All right, man. So what was your dream job as a kid? Were you always, I'm, I'm going to the show? No, you know what? I, yeah, I think probably I wanted to be a cowboy. I mean, I didn't know like what a cowboy did, but I just, I think I just like wearing a cowboy hat on the beach and ride a horse around. Yeah. So yeah, not, sorry, I, don't, I don't even think we even, we even touched on this. Where, where are you from originally? From Vancouver. Yeah. You're from Vancouver. You're Vancouver <laughs> kid. Yeah. 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 You're acting like from the prairies. That, those two years in Saskatchewan. I love it. Best people, best people in the world. I stand behind that and I still got tons of really good buddies out there man i need to see them so maybe they're listening but i i really missed that and that was that was a critical component of my life 
You know, I'm convinced that Saskatoon or so there must be something in, in Saskatchewan that they're hiding from us. That there's not enough of them out here for it to be that bad. Why well, out here or out there? Out, out here. Yeah. Every other part. It's not country. that bad. I'm telling you, Jim, my, my, I was there for two years of school in hockey and uh, I came back after my first summer because national school was done and I was yeah. back home and, and I was here for two weeks and, and said to my, said to my dad, I was like, man, I really miss it. And he's like, well, yeah, go back. So I went back and I got a job out there and it was the best. So yeah, I was there two years straight and I, and I loved it. And uh, yeah, what? I'd move back there. I mean. Yeah. I'm telling you, Prairie's didn't gym. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Saskatoon. Superior. Yeah. Regina, in my opinion. But yeah. No, that's, that's, I've got, I've got a theory about that. I'll have to explore at some point in time. All right. Stream job as a cowboy. Yeah. All right. So, and you can, you can take this as maybe something you're, you're looking for in the hiring process. So to any, any future employees, an overlooked quality in coaches. Oh, an overlooked quality. Sorry. And you know what, John, I need to apologize because you sent me all these well in advance and it wasn't until I was walking over here. Uh, that I really gave him honest effort. So I remember reading this one and, and, and how do I say basically, uh, relatability and interpersonal skills. I think that you can, you can coach a coach to coach, but you can't coach a person to be for lack of better terms, normal. I was like, be cool. I didn't know, you know, that's, that's pretty uh, subjective, but I just, again, it gets back to that chameleon, that relatability. You need to be able to hold a conversation and you need to be able to, your breadth of knowledge needs to be a lot more diverse than just the, the anatomical, you know, makeup of the, the hit. I know, I know exactly what you yeah. mean. So it's, it's kind of the, what we spoke about in terms of looking for characteristics of people. And so full disclosure, I'm trying to write a, a job description currently mm. to have somebody come in and be, whether that's an intern or assistant coach for me yes. and I'm struggling yeah. because I feel like I can teach somebody all the skills that they'll need as a coach. Yeah. I do not know how to teach the characteristics because those are the things I'm actually looking for. Uh -huh. yeah, I'm totally. looking for somebody that can, that there's no tangible way of assessing whether or not somebody is good in a group, can relate with a wide array of athletes yeah. and learn to implement information, can think critically or things like that. Totally. I, I don't know how to screen for that on the front end and I don't know how to teach it, but I know how to teach all the other stuff. Yeah. So I think it takes time too. And obviously a big one is uh likely referral too. So yeah. it's, it's big yeah. if, if you have an existing relationship there and in history with them, it's like you get an opportunity to vet them. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. That, that is something I do from a, just, uh, I guess like telling it or Coach talent identification standpoint, <laughs> I remember being at UBC and we would get all these guys and girls would come in to, to be graduate assistants or undergrad assistants. And every single time I would think to myself, I was like, man, I have three guys on this team or three girls on that team that would blow them out of the water in terms of being a coach because they have good energy. They're good with people. They love working out. Or they love being in the gym. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think that speaks a little bit to full circle yeah. with your experience. You find those people that are on the, the sports teams mm -hmm. because they're. They have those intangibles. And I mean, John, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if we spoke about this earlier. That's what currently three of our coaching staff were one time clients for lack of a better term. Yeah. That expressed an interest in personal training and fitness. And so we said, well, Hey, come on, we'll, we'll pay for you to get a cert or, you know, we'll help yeah. you out that process and we'll kind of, we'll groom you because they have those intent. And so yeah, food for thought. Yeah, no, very much so. All right. So what is something that your, your clients tease you about? Oh, I always get my, my legs always get made fun of because they're disproportionately uh, large in comparison to the rest of the body. All right. All right. Okay. Then. So what is the, what is the coachiest thing about you? Oh, I know that I micromanage and that is a fault of my own. And I need to get a lot better on that. And that, and that go uh, take that home with me sometimes. So, you know, Jill will be sitting there 
chopping up a red pepper or something. And I'm sitting there and my spidey senses are going off and there's alarms in my head. And I'm like, she's going to chop the finger off. And so I'll just pop in and go, Hey babe, you know, I, yeah, we should really try it like this. And it's kind of like, listen, buddy, you know, I know how to slice a dice up a red pepper, beat it. So yeah, I gotta just, yeah, let, let them all live their lives. So. Let people make their own mistakes. That's yeah, how they learn. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully no lost it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. So what is, what is one trend in coaching or fitness that needs to die? What needs to go away? Yeah. You know what? I'm a bit of a purist and from a strength conditioning standpoint, I, fitness, I mean, this is a tough one. At the end of the day, I think anything that gets people moving is good. Yeah. So if you're moving, that's great. I'm not keen on these EMS body suits. I've never tried them. I mean, they, the body suits with the stim, oh, like the magnetic yeah. stimulation, yeah. like it's the biggest crock. I, I think I haven't tried it. I'm sure you get acute doms. But there, there's no actual uh, intrinsic uh, motor recruitment going on there. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's part of the the that shows the difference in our crowds here. I know those never those never come through through my way usually. No, but they they yeah. don't come through. But have you seen them? They're set up like down in Yelltown. You yeah, down, and they exactly. and they dampen you, and you put on this wetsuit, yeah. and then they and then they they stim you, and and it's like a massive. What were they? Remember Compex and Red Dot? Yeah, it's yeah. Like a bodysuit of that. They're yeah. You know what they're doing? It's they show people that clip from the beginning of the Matrix. Yeah, so exactly. They yeah. line Neo up. Yeah. They have the muscles again. Yeah. And you know what I mean? That, again, for, for anyone in, in neuroscience out there or something like that, you, you, you'd be, you'd know more than I, John, on this, but uh, I know there's different wavelengths and the, you know, like the tens units and what was the one that all the hockey players swore by? Oh, is that the, the he does. Yeah. He arcs himself up. It costs things. an arm and a leg. Yes. It's like yeah, 10 K plus 2 K oh, a month God. for the subscription. And these it's guys, like shock or something. Yeah. It's called something like that. But yeah, like, I, I'm going to even trade. I wear this when I sleep and I'm like, I don't know. But anyway, so those might, but yeah, that. Yeah, just train, guys. Just yeah, train. Yeah. Shortcuts. Can well, honestly, yeah, I think anything to get people moving is great. Uh, all right, then. On the, the other side, so what is one trend that needs more attention? I mean, these are kind of lame answers, but just move. Yeah, moving, anything that needs more attention. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of just like foundational human movement is, is moving the body through a full range of motion regardless. I think a lot of people try to overcomplicate the training. Really good training is really simple and really just a progressive overload. And yeah. so, so the simple, and, and it's really just adherence to the program. So yeah, do what's being asked of you, be consistent with it, be thorough with it, work with intent. And that might just be as simple as going out and riding a bike with some sprint intervals mixed into your program. If that's all you're doing, then you know what, when it says sprint and sprint to the best of your capabilities. And then when it says rest, rest and do it for the full 30 seconds or 60 seconds and then rest for the full two minutes. For example, I, I know, but. And if you um, don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> good thing that you're listening yeah. to a podcast featuring yeah. go, go train with John. Or ER. Or ER. I'm full. You guys can reach out. All right. So when did you know you were hooked on coaching? So what, what was the moment you knew? Yeah, this is, this is something I want to do. And between yeah. that step, between it being just the environment and what, what were you working with people and you were like, yeah, this. Yeah. You know what? I think it was the off, the most fun I've ever had is the off season coaching yeah. the, the athletes primarily. That is so fun because it's a very unique cohort of individuals. It's a very unique experience. It's a very unique product that you're delivering. And there's very, I mean, but it's a very unique result that you get out at the end of it. And yeah. we'll just use it one more time. It's a very unique relationship. Yeah. So yeah, everything about it is unique. And there's obviously a special place in my heart for it, having a background with hockey and having grown or grown up playing that sport and taking it to where I took it. So. Yeah, I think seeing what is, what one can accomplish. And I mean, that's something that you experience on an even greater level with your time with UBC and the varsity athletes there, right? You, you get an even longer tenure yeah. with a lot of those individuals through, through an entire varsity career, possibly if you're yeah. long enough, right? So, 
anyways, yeah, I say that, that was kind of the, that was the juice. Yeah. Can yeah. you see people grow up and see yeah. the children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether it's a summer or a year? Yeah. yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. the, yeah, the human growth and where you spoke to too and say how your team now mm-hmm. is getting a grown Totally. Growth. Totally. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what is a feeling that you want to leave your clients with? So when people walk out of the yard, how do, how do you want them to feel aside from maybe not being able to walk up the stairs? I will touch on that last thing real quick at the very end, but I think, uh, honestly, and this sounds super lame, but leaving feeling better than when they came in. I mean, a lot of that is mental and emotional and you can feel better mentally and emotionally and by, and those are byproducts and benefits of a training. So, you know what, a lot of people, they only come in for, cause they're, cause they're late because life gets in the way for 30 minutes and that's all they have, right? Well, okay, you know what, we're gonna make this an awesome 30 minutes and you're gonna walk out of here grateful that you came for those 30 minutes. And so, yeah, I think that obviously with a little bit of sweat and a little bit of a burn somewhere in their body to their desire, whatever that body part may yeah. be, because at the end of the day, you got to deliver on what the client wants. So it, that's that fine line of what does the client need or what does the individual need and what do they want? And you got to appease kind of both those things. So you got to be sneaky. But then, yeah, that last point on not being able to walk up the stairs, I know that a good training session isn't necessarily indicative of, yes. of no, and I know that. With that being said, it's hard to beat personally a killer pump and some delayed onset muscle soreness for the yeah. next day or two. Solar is not debilitating, but a killer leg session or a killer body push pull complex or killer arm day and not be able to wash your hair. I mean, personally, I still, I still appreciate that. Yeah. No, not everybody yeah. does. And I know that doesn't mean that it was a quote unquote good training session and we're not here to beat every client up, but here or there, I, I think clients do appreciate it. Oh, I, I know what you mean. It's, I know it's not for everyone, but I know a lot of the people that I work with and there is uh, nothing that gives me more satisfaction than like the text message the day after. Yeah. I, I still think about you guys sending me like, that was the hardest thing like, I've done. Yeah. Or uh, my, my favorite was I got a text that said, John, what did we do? My abs haven't been this sore <laughs> since Super Nintendo was out. That was, yeah, so that, that was, but then, then drawing back into the end of the days of Super Nintendo. So what is, what advice would you give your early coaching mm-hmm. self? You talked about getting reps and I think I wish hindsight 2020 that I had gone and experienced different coaches within fitness. So I talked about, I, I experienced coaches in various sports, right? But what did, were different personal trainers or strength coaches going? And uh, that's something you got to do is go got an intern at the varsity gym at UBC with Joe. And that's something I never did. So, I mean, I, I guess secondhand through my strength coach when I was there, there's some experience, but it, it, the back end of it, the inner workings of how those, you know, individuals operate and what, and what they're trying to achieve and why and how and different training philosophies and training methodologies, right? I think is getting as many different views and point of views and outlooks and yeah, just, just experiencing as much as possible. Granted, you know, that, that, that'll take some time and you're probably not going to get compensated very well, if at all. So there are sacrifices, but hindsight 2020, something I wish I had it done. I feel like I kind of just rushed into it and then somewhat self-taught to an extent. Yeah. Like anything though, I think, I think there is certainly a self-teaching or learning element to it. It's making sure that those, uh, first experiences are ones that you can learn and grow from. I mean, even when you speak to working at the varsity gym with Joe is my experience. That was, it was, I did have a certain, that was the majority of my coaching experience was in that setting. So it was a lot. And the people that I worked with in the other half of the year were people who were also mentored by Joe. So it was, there was a lot of the same ideas being repeated, but I was lucky that one of the big things was to question, critically think and ask why, because in those first programs, well, why are we doing this? Why does this work here? So it was, I mean, I guess that almost comes back to our 
looking for the characteristics that you wanted people, it's you just exude the behaviors and then the people that stick around of that are able to ask questions that are able to improve on things that exist. Those are the ones you get to keep around. Although I assume they're, they're few and far between the, the great, great coaches. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think if someone's, yeah, if they, if they have all those skill sets on their own and the, 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 the desires to go and pursue their own career, independent of a brand and a company, and then yeah, they're likely going to go on. And, but you know what though, that that's part of that growth. And that, yeah. that's why you do it, right? Is that if you have someone that's able to come full circle and come to that realization, actualization on their own, then I, you've empowered them and you've provided a stepping stone, much the same as you and I uh, were able to benefit from. So, you know what? Yeah. That's, and that's something too, that I'm realizing, I think with the industry is that, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult, virtually impossible to retain all, you know, that, that, that's an ideal, right? As you want to create this like super team and the super culture and grow and then, okay, yeah, now we're going to go and we're going to open a second one or we're going to go do this all together. Right. Well, you know, it's hard enough having, you know, say a life partner that wants to do and share parallel and live out and do all the same things and want all the same things, right? And there's sacrifice yeah. that comes. So let alone you got a family, call it eight, nine, 10 coaches or individuals, right? Good luck. So yeah, that is a natural progression and really much like with your clients, you want to see them come in, not have any idea how to move and leave moving the, the way their body was meant to move and moving some considerable weight, not needing your guidance in your eye anymore. Yeah. That's the ideal. Yeah. And yeah. it's the same with your coaches. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Take them from maybe somebody green to somebody that can, in the same way you teach people how to move and have them moving better, then hopefully when somebody leaves the experience, they're able to coach high, at the highest level or at, at yeah. the peak of their ability and doing a variety of different settings. Yeah. Hopefully one that aligns with everything that they, that they want, the population they want, they want to work with, yeah. which yeah. yeah, hopefully, hopefully you're facilitating them and we all, yeah, we all come up and grow together. Yeah. And then, well, on that note. I think that brings uh, to a close episode four of To Depth with John. Elan, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you, John. Yeah, that's for walking true. out here. For yeah, for I, I know you got a busy schedule, obviously, as a we discussed for the yeah. past hour and a half here. <laughs> no, uh, I always make time for this. Yeah, thank you very much, man. Honestly, yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you asking me. And thanks everybody for listening. So, yeah, thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you everyone who tuned in. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, all the things you're supposed to do with podcasts. And we will see you next time.